I hope you guys all just listen good because there's going to be some good stuff happening. Can I say something? And hopefully we can um, talk with Hannah Newman on Skype with webcam for a little bit, too. So she's in the Philippines. She's one of our sisters, and she's all here. So just before 10 o'clock, let's do that. Just before we break. And you've got your computer. Hi, everyone. Hey. It's about... Five minutes to four in the morning, where I just came from. <laughs> so I was taking a nap and I had a little coffee and heard some of the worship and participated in some of the worship, and it was very good. I wish I could have been in more of it, participating in more of it, but I, I was a little tired. Um, but I'm thankful to be here and be with you guys again. It's been a few weeks. And, uh, yeah, so my brother said I was uh, gone for a little bit, and the Lord just uh, provided an opportunity for me to go overseas. And, like probably many of you have on different occasions, and if you haven't uh, done something like that, such as a short-term mission trip, let me just say, do it. And uh, you don't need to hear a word from the Lord, um, or me, but just do it. Uh, if you have an opportunity, because it'll change your life. And uh, many of you who have done that, uh, please remember to tell your friends about that, because <laughs> sometimes um, we forget about these these sort of things. God, um, like I said, it was, was very kind to allow me to go on this trip. And uh, you know, some some trips um, just kind of come together. And this is one of those that just kind of came together. And um, But it started probably about two years ago, actually, as I was reflecting upon this. Because um, for, for me to do, do everything that happened on this trip, um, I had to have said yes to something about two years ago. I mean, it probably even started way before that. Maybe, like, um, well was born, you know, those kind of things, but we're going to, you know, pass all those details, um, but just trying to try to think of the, some of the things that I see God was arranging in terms of my schedule and how it came together. About two, two and a half years ago, uh, was, was free to kind of move from one um, kind of work into another, and that allowed me to get back into aviation, and uh, was a flight instructor, and so I, I upgraded my flight instructor ratings, and that led to me uh, looking at the airlines, and the airlines had this window of uh, hiring people, and was able to get into that window, and it's not something I dreamed of doing, but I felt like God said, you have to do this, and so I said, okay, I kind of reluctantly uh, went into that, uh, but kind of out of some half-hearted uh, obedience, and and uh, in his kindness, he kind of brought the rest of my heart along in that process. And uh, eventually, uh, it got me to this job of, of flying jets, which I, I'm very thankful for. And so, part of the benefits of being with the airlines is travel benefits. <laughs> you get to, uh, when you have time off, go places. What well, so happens that in the airline industry right now, um, there's, as anyone 
yeah, is aware <laughs> that there's kind of econo- economic da- downturn, and um, sometimes it affects airlines first, which it did uh, several months ago. And we've had these uh, schedules where we can take one month off or even a part-time. And uh, someone had invited me to go to Norway. And um, it's like, yeah, I'd love to go to Norway. You know, I was able to go there a couple years ago and uh, love to go back there. Um, and so I didn't really have to think about it. I was just like, yeah, all right, God, I think you're in this. I'm going to go for this. Uh, and just you work out the schedule. And was praying about another opportunity that the same person invited me to check out, and that was to go to Mozambique. Now I'm going to just i got a little show-and-tell here. Um, and wasn't sure if I was to do that one or not, but um, kind of cool colors right there. Yeah, pass it around. Um, and uh, the, I'm kind of um, jumping around here a little bit, but I had um, just a couple days ago checked my my schedule for this next month, and where we for the last six months had this option of taking a month off or like a part time, um, that all of a sudden disappeared next month, and I realized why God had said go go do this trip, um, go to Africa, because um, that was the other part of the invitation to go to Norway and go to Africa. And because this ended up sort of being an exploration trip for me, kind of a reconnaissance trip for me to uh, check out uh, something, and I'll talk about that in a moment. But the thing that I'm just really thankful for is God, you know, setting me up for this trip and in His kindness allowing me to kind of obey Him in, in doing this and giving this opportunity for me. It was just like, wow, you know, I look back last year and I'm like, wow, He was setting me up for this. And just with the, he knew everything. He knew everything about the economy. He knew everything about the schedule. He knew everything about the, where I'd be at certain times. And, you know, he knows all things. And he knew how this would work out. And so, as I, like I said, I was sitting at the computer and looking at the schedule for next month. I was like, oh my goodness. If I hadn't said yes, I wouldn't be able to go on this trip at all because there's no way to take off this much time to do the trip. No, we don't, we can't, we can't, um, uh, have a whole month off anymore, whereas we've been able to have that where any pilot could do that because of this downturn. They're kind of given the option of someone taking temporary leave of absence, if that, that makes sense. And so I was able to take a whole month off to do this trip, which meant going to uh, Mozambique, going to South Africa, and to Norway. Okay, so that's a little bit of the background. Um, person who invited me is John R. Knott. I don't know if you've heard of the Toronto Blessing or um, uh, the Father's Blessing. And he came to speak at the conference in February and uh, just had a chance to meet him. Someone told him I was a pilot. And so we just talked for a little bit and he just kind of, I think, by God's inspiration said, um, uh, you want to come to Norway with me? And I'm like, Okay, you barely know me. Uh, sure. And what one thing I want to say about that is that I had gone been to Toronto. I'd been to this place uh, about 
was it 95 that we went there? Or? 94. 94. And this is a place where God had just poured out His Spirit for over 10 years of just nightly meetings and revival had been there if you haven't heard about it. And out of that has been, you know, thousands of people, perhaps millions of people have been touched um, in, in just fantastic ways. And so we went there in 94 and just to go and receive receive and and it was an opportunity to learn how to receive and and get more of the Lord and one of the words that we had tonight is there's always more (laughs) and I was just resounding with that because part of the reason I think God invited me on this trip is so that I can remember to receive again afresh and even though I was there in 94 and at different times I've been at conferences and gone to cool events and um, there's a part of me that uh, forgot about receiving. Even though you, you know it, sometimes you need a special boost or an extra kind of impartation. And that was what this was, sort of a uh, kind of extra reminder of, hey, Andrew, you, you need me. <laughs> and uh, you need to receive more. But particularly an experience with him, an encounter with him. And sometimes um, we can... Uh, there's certain aspects of God that we might not hold on to as much as others. And that's okay, because we, we're in a different place. We're on a journey, right? And so there's different characteristics that he's teaching us about himself. And so he'll bring something back to us that he's already taught us before. And that was one of the things he was wanting to, to bring back to me before, is to learn to receive from him afresh. And so um, I, I was just along sort of for the ride, <laughs> on this ministry trip where we had this conference uh, in Norway and just like I didn't know what I was doing there you know he said hey just follow me around so I was just following uh, John around as he was praying for people watching him pray for people at the same time just just getting kind of soaked um, in in God's presence and uh, by his goodness and so my, my challenge to myself is, and perhaps uh, you might be inclined to receive that as well, is that wherever you can, wherever you can, receive, 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 and, and keep receiving, and keep going after that, and keep doing it, because we need more, and He wants to give us more. And it, it, it can't get old. And it did for me. It actually did. And that was wrong. And that's what God was bringing this correction, sort of a rebuke. He says, Andrew, you need to, you need to be like a kid. You just kind of need a drink. And there was sort of a, a kind of a taste of that when John had come and shared with us here in this in this room. From for those who were there, you can remember him taking his hand out and say, All right, grab a glass and drink. You know. And here you are, like, okay, uh, I'm taking an imaginary glass, putting it up to my mouth, and going like this, and like, okay, this is, this is kind of weird. But, but it was just, you know, uh, kind of like a childlike faith. You know how you see kids play, and they just kind of have this creative uh, imagination, and it was, it was like being like a child. And uh, so, yeah, that's what I'm learning to do again, to, to be like a child, and just say, all right, I want, I want more of you, God, and and help me to do whatever it takes to do that. Now, um, hopefully, you don't have to go to another country, even though that might be fun to do that. And all a place like Uprising would be an awesome place to so just to, to receive more and go after God. 
that was the last part of my trip uh, was this conference in Norway. Before that, uh, made a connection. John referred me to a ministry in Mozambique. Maybe some of you have heard of it. Heidi and Roland Baker, Iris Ministries. And um, they, they have need of a pilot because Roland hasn't been doing so well. And so I went down there to check it out. And one of the missionaries down there said, Oh, you're kind of on reconnaissance. I thought, Oh, yeah, I like that word. Kind of to explore, to see see what uh, might be there in the future for me. And again, it just comes back to this, this little cool God thing where uh, if I hadn't been in this position right now, I wouldn't be able to take off the time to go there and, and do this and explore it. And, you know, he knows how to arrange those kind of things. And so, again, I'm just so thankful that he had, had arranged all these things and allowed me to go down there. And we uh, arrived, or I arrived on a Wednesday, another pastor uh, arrived on a Wednesday. And that same day, we just kind of hit the ground running. And this, their main center is in Pemba, Mozambique. And they have, like, I don't know, about 300 kids in this, this, uh, this center where they're um, teaching them, and uh, as well as they're bringing in kids from the city and giving them a meal. And here I am handing out uh, food to these kids who just heard about the gospel, and this may be their only meal for that day. And uh, this this pastor who was who was checking out the the ministry, he was just standing there, and he was like, "Wow, I can't, I'm just so moved." As he's giving these kids this meal, and they're just this may again be their only meal, and it struck me again. It's like, "Wow." You know, it's so easy to sort of um, kind of go through the motions and not realize what you're doing and the impact that you that you can have even doing these small things. We we went from there to uh, a village. Uh, it, for for me, it was the first time flying in the bush, which was kind of exciting because that was my kind of style of, of flying in a smaller aircraft versus one of these larger planes. And so I was more in my element doing that, flying a small plane in the bush, and it was the first time for me to do that. So again, God was like, just giving me this awesome opportunity to, to fly into the bush. And while we were there, and we met up with a team from Bethel Church in Redding, California, and we, we, um, uh, I was flying with another pilot, and uh, flew in. And as we landed there, uh, there was this pretty much a crowd, a church that was just praising Jesus and kind of celebrating us arriving and it's kind of cool you know you don't normally get that when you come back from the from some locations at the airport you know you may hear some people clap because they had a safe landing that's about it but here they're like Woo-hoo! you know praising Jesus and dancing it's just like wow this is way cool you know the grass is like 10 feet high and you got these trees that are around the area and uh, this is really cool um, from there, we went in, went into town and uh, had a three-hour church service, which was on the shorter side, and uh, just pursuing God and going after them. And after that, we went uh, on a little hike towards the river where we were able to baptize about 14 people. There happened to be some, some actually alligators in the waters. So they didn't want to go all the way in. So they're like halfway in. And uh, so I'm, I'm taking pictures, you know, of these, of these people, like, kind of hesitant, but, you know, they're wanting God. So like, all right, let's do this. <laughs> 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 
uh, after after we uh, baptized them and uh, prayed for them to receive the Holy Spirit, within a matter of moments, there's just a downpour of rain. You know, it was just kind of cool, uh, just thinking about God's downpour in their lives. You know, as we're walk hiking back to to the truck and we were headed off next. And we thought we were going to cancel the evening meeting uh, outreach because of the downpour rain, but it stopped. And so they put up the, uh, the Jesus film and went out there to this, this village that was probably predominantly um, Muslim in terms of the, the uh, religious roots. And so here you are just watching, you know, probably about two, three hundred people watching the, the Jesus film thinking, you know, what are, what are, they, what are they thinking? You know, <laughs> what are they thinking about this? You know, just watching this huge film, and there was an opportunity uh, to to pray for for many of them. You don't always know the results because <laughs> um, of the language barrier, but you know that God's doing something by many of the many of the lives. So that was just a, a, a taste of, of of this experience, and uh, of just kind of getting to drop in, see what it was like, and say, okay, is this something that um, you know, God, you'd want me to be a part of and, and be a part of uh, serving them and what they're doing and also learning because one of the cool things if you haven't heard about their ministry is a lot of, a lot of signs and, and uh, miracles and healings happen because they're just really going after the pursuing. There's just some, some fantastic miracles that have happened uh, through them as they've been pressing in and just being desperate for God. And so that's one of the things that I learned while I was there. Again, just to be more desperate for Him. I'm wanting to be more desperate um, today for Him than, than the next day. The um, on the way back, we um, we flew from. You can make it. You can do it. We flew from. Um, you know what that sign is, by the way. Wrap it up. Yeah, uh, we flew from Hemda Mozambique down in Johannesburg. And uh, as we were uh, flying, you know, over over the whole the whole city there, we kind of got to get to see the lay of the land and uh, you know see that just the tremendous need and how God, you know, is just working through uh, this group and so many groups. Got to connect with different missionaries down there. And one friend uh, in Johannesburg is working in the Soweto area where, you know, you've probably heard of the apartheid and what they're uh, ministering there is in the small little uh, family uh, that is reaching out to the, the kids in that neighborhood. And so it was a cool thing to see how there's big groups and small groups. There's individuals and there's these huge or organizations where, where God's moving and, and touching people's lives. And uh, what an opportunity to... Um, you know, encourage at an individual level and also at a, a whole level. So, um, there's one other thing that, oh, <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. Um, there was this song that these kids sang in honor of this couple who was moving to work in another area. And um, they were singing it with, with all their heart and I thought it would be really important us for us to remember this. Um, I don't I don't know the exact words, but this was the, the kind of the rough translation. Uh, it says, if you practice witchcraft and kill chickens, 
Jesus will see you. <laughs> so, uh, Get those words make, make sure that you don't practice witchcraft and don't kill chickens, okay? So, When you see things like that, then you're accountable for what you see. You're accountable to hear from the Lord on what He's got for you. And uh, so He'll need to process this and listen or what God has for Him, or whether He's supposed to go back to Africa or to Norway or stay here with you crazies. <laughs> so let's pray for Him, for God. Somebody lead out and pray. Father God, we ask that you give me wisdom and discernment and your guidance. We ask that you open our spirit to, to hear your spirit more clearly and that uh, that he be open to receive the blessings that you have for him, Father God, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome back. Please keep passing the clipboard for the prophetic conference. That was a message from Paul. <laughs> um, I'm Tim, and you should open your Bible to Exodus 23. Simon says... I'm going to pray quick here and then say a little something. Lord, uh, just ask that you continue to be present in this moment and uh, ask that your words would come out of my mouth the way you want them to and accomplish the purposes you have for them. In your name, amen. This thing's like right here. Whoever's feet Natasha, this thing's going to smell like carrots after I'm done. I have carrot breath and I'm done. And now everybody knows. <laughs> um, who in here is a big dreamer? It's <coughs> a lot of people. Like, like big dreams for your life, like what's gonna happen and where you're headed. And how about like what God's gonna do in your life? Like you have big dreams, like God's gonna do big things for me. Me too. Um, how many of you are like walking in the fulfillment of that? Like just seeing it all happen. Day in, day out, a couple people, hallelujah. <laughs> is this like you guys are being honest with me right now? Yeah. So how are you dealing with that? Because <laughs> most of you raise your hand saying that like you have big God-given dreams and then like hardly any of you raise your hand when you said you're there yet. So how are you dealing with that? Day by day, I hear. This is like a responsive question. 
Oracle. <laughs> right. I should have said that, my bad. Praying my and bad. having faith. Praying and having faith. Enjoying the preparation. Enjoying the preparation. I'm done. Thank you. Because <laughs> 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 that, that's like that's like me. I have like these huge God-given dreams, and I'm not there yet. Like, I am on on the path there, and I really want to get there like in five minutes, but I'm not there yet. <laughs> and so it can be like really discouraging because, like, God's told me that you know I'm going to be well. I'll just share some stuff. Um, I've had people like tell me that I'm going to be like a pastor to the nations. I've had people tell me that I'm going to see like young people set free from drugs and alcohol and like all this stuff and uh, that I'm going to be a teacher, preacher, like doing all this sweet stuff and like took me a while to accept that as okay I really believe that about myself now and but I'm there that I do believe that and that is what the Lord has for me but it's been like years of kind of hearing those things and not really seeing it happen very much um, so that's where I'm at on that um, like, I feel it's called a big-time ministry, and I'm not there yet. And so that's what I'm going to talk about. Um, a couple months ago, I believe in November, Michael Tyrell was here. Anybody? Michael Tyrell? Michael Tyrell? Um, I don't remember much of what he said that night, but one thing he said, like, rocked me to the core. I think I even, like, jolted physically, like, when he said it. <laughs> But he was talking, like, addressing younger people that have big dreams that aren't really there yet and kind of waiting for our turn, however he said it. Um, he said, delays do not mean denials. And that just hit me like a ton of bricks. And, like, right when he said that, it was like, whew, like, this weight was just gone. Because I had felt, like, denied a little bit. And, like, because I'm not there yet, like, I'm being denied my chance to, like, serve God or... That, you know, that he's telling me all this stuff, but he's not going to let me do it. He's just going to let me think I'm going to do it. Um, <laughs> I'm guessing some of you have felt the same way. Um, but it's totally true. De delays do not mean denials. And if you're here and you're walking the path to something that God has for you and you're not there yet, just because you're being delayed, you're not being denied um, what God has for you. Um, so... Let's let's go to Exodus 23. We're gonna go verses 29 and 30. Okay, so this is Israelites just like leave Egypt after being there for 400 years of slavery or whatever, and like God sends them through the Red Sea. They're free, going through the wilderness. Go to um, um, Mount Sinai. Wow. They go to Mount Sinai, get the Ten Commandments. Like God's leading them by a pillar of fire, pillar of cloud, like. Man on the ground, all this crazy stuff is happening. They, they like, and God's just like leading them. Like they're not doing anything but just walking, and God's doing everything else, providing for them, defending them, fighting for them, everything. Okay, and so Jesus or God's talking to them about um, their path to the promised land. Okay, so they had this land of promise that God had set aside for them, that was their inheritance to walk into. Okay, so I'm paralleling this with you guys and the things that God has called you to, your land of promise, that maybe you're there, maybe you're on the way there, maybe you don't even know what it is yet, that's okay too, like, it's okay to not know, that's totally fine, so be free to not know, that's okay. 
But God is talking to the Israelites about their path to the promised land. Um, verse 29, he says, Okay, so he's talking about how he's going to drive out all the enemies, like he's going to do everything for them. Verse 29, he says, But I will not do this all in one year, because the land would become a wilderness, and the wild animals would become too many to control. I will drive them out a little at a time until your population has increased enough to fill the land. Okay, so that might have sounded a little bit confusing to them, like, because they're seeing him do miracles, like, basically every hour on the hour. You're like, food on the ground, just miraculously. And all of a sudden he says, well, I'm not going to bring you there right away, but I'll bring you there when it's time for you to get there, and when you actually will be mature enough to fill the land that, that I have for you. Okay, so, like, the wild animals... Um, in the land would be like our immaturity. Say God calls us to be big time preacher man and we're like 15. All of a sudden we're there when we're 16 and we're still like really immature and we would not be able to handle everything that comes with that. But if we're walking the path of being matured, um, being filled with the Spirit, purging the sin out of our life, um, learning little step by step, being mentored by someone like Paul in leadership, by the time you're 30, I mean, you're ready to go. You have, like, the tools, you've got what it takes, and you're ready to, to fill the land, and the little distractions aren't going to bring you down. So, in due time, our promises are fulfilled in, in God's plan and God's time. Because they're His dreams He gave to us anyways. So why not wait for His time to fulfill them? Yeah. Um... Thank you. That wasn't what the pause was for, but thank you. Um, God's timing and God's clock does not beat at the same pace as ours does, but that's actually the wrong way of saying it. Like, our clock does not beat at the same pace that God's does. Like, he's got the master plan. He actually dwells outside of time and space. Like, it's part of his creation. So, like, Worrying about timing and stuff is like, I'm, he's like, I created that, so you don't really need to worry about that. I've got that under control. Um, and so he has our best in mind, and that includes the timing of when we walk into our promised land. So what is your promised land tonight that you're waiting for? It could be like the career you wanted that you don't have yet, but you really want it, and you feel like God probably has it for you, like he's giving you the tools, giving you the gifts. Um, he's opened doors for you to get there, but you're not there yet. Um, if that's you, like, it's coming, and keep waiting, like, God's on your side, he's not dangling something in front of you, like, just so you chase after it. You know, who, whoever, who has cats in here? Okay. Yeah, I'm not a cat fan myself, but it's a good analogy. Well, like, you know when you got the laser pointer on the ground? <laughs> and they just go nuts and they're just chasing that thing back and forth, like just trying to grab on grab a hold of it. Like, I don't know. That's not how God is with us. He doesn't <laughs> He doesn't like say, Here's a dream for you, come get it. Oh, oh it's not there anymore. It's over here. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it sounds funny, but like some people just live with that understanding of God that that's who He is. And if that's you tonight, we're going to break that off in a second here. Um, what's something else you're waiting for? Maybe getting done with school. Maybe you're waiting for a spouse or a relationship. We're all young adults in here, right? 
be I would be remiss to not mention that. Is that the right use of the word remiss? Yeah. Okay. Um, or children, or this might be the wrong crowd for that, but it might not be. Or anything like that. You have these dreams, you're not there yet. That's your promise line, the things that God has promised to give you. Um, how old was Jesus when he started his full-time ministry? 30 years old. How, what were Jesus' first 30 years like? Was he just peaceful and content all the time? Like, yeah, man, like, I'm the savior of the world, but I'm just going to hold off for 30 years. <laughs> like, have you guys ever thought about that before? He sees these, like, dying, hurting people, and he waits till he's 30 to do, like, I mean, he did stuff about it, but he waits till 30 to, like, begin his ministry to do that. He was so obedient and he was so in tune and intimate with the Father that he knew when his time had come. And he valued 30 years of being set apart and just growing in relationship with him. And so that's our highest calling is to grow in relationship with the Lord. And when the time comes, we will be ready. Ezekiel was 30 years old when he was called to be a prophet. Moses was 80 years old when he was sent back to... I mean, that's old. <laughs> he was 80 years old when he got sent back to Egypt. And this was 40 years, okay, 40 years before that, he get, he fled because he killed an Egyptian because of the injustice that he saw and just made him so angry. Okay, so he had the right passion, but he was immature in how he went about seeing it, like, taken care of. And so he goes out in the wilderness for 40 years and God shapes him, molds him, and he goes back 40 years later. And he's like one of the greatest leaders of all time because of 40 years just one-on-one with the Lord. Abraham was like 2,000 years when God called him, like, <laughs> maybe a stretch. He was 99. Um, so, whoever you are, whatever your dream is, where, wherever you are in the path to get there, um, God's with you right now. He's not waiting at the end, just like, oh man, when are they going to finally figure out? Like, he's walking with you hand in hand, leading you, and he's valuing this time of intimacy with him. As he leads you there. And so I want to pray about a couple of things. Um, some people in here may have developed an unhealthy view of God, like that he's someone who dangles stuff in front of us, um, that he's given me a dream, but he'll never let me get there and fulfill it. Um, that's a lie from the enemy. God gives you a dream because it's his dream to see you get there and do it. Um, so I want to pray for you. Um, if you're feeling that way. Well, let's just all like close our, close our eyes right now. Well, we just thank you that we can just give our dreams back to you and we can give the timing back to you. We can put the ball back into your court and we can just take step by step as you lead us. Lord, I ask for any pressure to perform or to reach a destination before you would have us to. I just pray for all that pressure to be released right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, I just pray for peace like a river to flow in this place and to take root in these hearts and lives in this place, Lord. That a garden of just peace and patience would be growing in our lives. Lord, I ask for any misconceptions or misperceptions about who you are when it comes to giving us big dreams that some might think 
that you're one who's going to dangle in front of us, Lord. I just ask that you break that lie off in Jesus' name. Lord, I just ask that your love would come right now and go deep. Do a deep work right now, a deep healing work. I just feel like the Lord's saying, like, He's just proud of you as you see Kim's face like, with your life. And whatever it's looking like for you, He's proud of you as you just seek Him for the answers. And He will hold your heart. He's going to guide you there. And He's not going to let you down. And if you, want, if you wander off the path, He'll just guide you back. As long as you continue just seeking Him and obeying Him. So, Lord, I, I bless these people here, all of us, Lord. I just bless us with peace and patience. And, Lord, we thank you that delays do not mean denials. And, Lord, I ask that you would teach us how to take our vision off of what we see and what we expect and that we would just look to you and just look in your face, Lord, and follow you, follow your lead to where you would have us go. Amen. Hey Tim, 80 mm. years old, it's not too old. My, my parents over there, 84. I didn't yeah. say too old. And God is still using them. And I think there are some people here that are feeling, you know, 25, 28, 30, whatever, is maybe too old. Mm -hmm. And that's not true, is it? That's no. what that means. So, and I, I want to share one more thing. Um, for those of you who are who have your dream and you're like just starting out, like God enjoys the small beginnings. And Zechariah four is a rubble God tells the rubble that he's the one to like rebuild the temple. And he's like, With my strength you're gonna do it. And I mean it doesn't seem like it'll happen, but Zechariah four verse ten Lord says to him, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. So the Lord is rejoicing you in your small beginnings, whatever it looks like for you. He loves just seeing the work begin in your life. So, bless you guys. Hey, we're not doing three. This isn't been a three-hour meeting yet. Stand and stretch. Take a stretch. I can't hear you.
Clipboard. Yeah. Clipboard. Who needs? Clipboard. Back in this room. Clipboard. Back in that. To sign up for the Minnesota Prophetic Conference. Has everyone signed up for their new? It's new. If you're new, did you sign up yet? Do not. Okay. The new newbie clipboard. Let's get over to the new people. And the other. Send it over. There. Here it's coming. That one's coming. All right, boys and girls, um, I am Natasha, and can't quite figure out where to put this to make it. And yes, it does smell like carrots, Tim. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It doesn't. I coach everything. All right. Perfect. There we go. All right. Um... Well, uh, I have some fun stuff to share today. Um, when I, I spent some time in Ghana, West Africa, and while I was there, there was this woman who was 65 years old. She was with us, and she showed us this really neat way to write out your testimony. And she showed us how to do it in the form of, like, a maze and to draw fun pictures to go along with stuff. And so I did this as, as a way to kind of map things out, and it's a fun way to process stuff that you've been through, um, just to kind of have a visual of it before you. So, you can see it too. Oh, you go. Yeah, I had, I had fun with it. A lot of, lot of stick people drawing. Um, so anyways, everybody in here has a testimony. Everybody's been through something. You know, a lot of times we look at a testimony just as when we first got saved, but that's only part of our testimony. You know, we have a story from where we've come from, and then also part of that is where we're presently at, and then also where God is taking us to. So, with that being said, we will start here at the starting point, which is in the beginning. You can't really see this, but I'll pass this around afterwards. There's a little picture of Jesus holding me as a baby. So before, before, <laughs> before anything else, I was in the heart of God, and then um, he put, gave me a family on the earth and released me into the earth for a specific purpose. Um, yeah, you can't really see any of this, but basically, I grew up in a Christian home. And, well, sort of. I grew up going to church, um, but I didn't actually have a relationship. Bless you. I grew up going to church, but I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. And I actually uh, experienced a lot of rejection as a child, a lot of pain, stuff like that. And um, I actually became a bully when I was in elementary school. I used to be one of those kids who would beat up other kids on the playground. No joke. Um, Whoa. Yeah. Um, there's a picture of a big little kid. Because right here is Cake Valley, where I learned to bake cake and eat them like every day. And, and, then, there's, and then there's me as a little kid beating up some little kid while he's screaming and running away. So, anyways, then I ended up going to this Baptist camp, um, and I ended up, this is a funny story, so uh, everybody was going around telling their stories of how they got saved, sharing their testimonies, and I was sitting there and I was like, oh, I don't have one. And instead of just saying the truth, I decided I better make one up. <laughs> I actually did, and everyone believed me, so I was like, score, sweet, nobody knows. So actually, that actually led me to think about the fact that I didn't have one, and I probably should have one. So later on, I ended up getting saved, but I didn't have anybody to disciple me and teach me the Word of God, though it was really clear in the Bible, do this, don't do this. I didn't know the Bible, and I didn't really live by it. But I was sincere in my heart that I wanted to serve God. And um, I actually had 
a desire kind of just for witchcraft and the occult and stuff like that. Um, so you were you were the one Andrew was talking about in that song. Me, yeah, oh, I have a funny story about that, about the chicken. Yeah. So, yeah, so anyways, that was, I, I don't know, I would go to Christian concerts and then I'd go home and play with tarot cards. You know, I was, that was kind of where my heart was. Um, I was mixed in both. And even as a little kid, I remember um, being in my room, seeing demonic creatures and stuff like that. Um, had I been saved, I probably would have seen angels. So, um, but I wasn't until later on. And then I actually ended up, uh, so anyways, around junior high age, you know, this is when I got saved. And then I went through this time of really looking to find my value from outside sources. And, you know, got it from friends, got it from uh, dating relationships from men. I actually developed an eating disorder. I became bulimic. And um, anyways, I entered into high school, had a lot of friends, was very popular. And then uh, shortly after that, I had a real power encounter with God that changed my life. Um, I went to actually Redeeming Love, where the conference is going to be at. And actually just remember feeling the tangible presence of God in the meeting. And that night it broke me. And um, I was just crying and somebody prayed with me. And that night God actually delivered me from the eating disorder and I went home and where this is something that I struggled with for two years couldn't go a day without it I remember just I don't want to be this way but I didn't know how to get out I just remember crying laying on my bathroom floor saying God I don't want to be this way and then God just touched me and um <laughs> like that night I knew something had changed and I didn't struggle with it anymore um, but the crazy thing was after that I started having these um just weird kind of spiritual encounters, things that happened, and they weren't good ones. I started having some weird demonic stuff happen, and I didn't know really anything about spiritual warfare at that time, but God used that to teach me about it. Um, basically, all this stuff, I had opened these doors in my life to all this junk, but I couldn't ever see it because it was like I had these blinders on my eyes. And then that night, it was like when I you know, gave that stuff over to God, it was like he ripped the blinders off and was allowing me to see actually what was going on spiritually taught me, you know, how to close up those doors, and then, you know, I got rid of all my, like, my tarot cards and my horoscope junk and all that just garbage threw it out, and um, then uh, God actually started speaking to me in dreams and stuff, and then um, shortly after that I got baptized, oops, got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and then I actually started hearing the voice of God, and that just changed everything, but at this point I went from having a lot of friends and a lot of people around me and being popular to all of a sudden having no one. Um, because I had a choice where I could either follow after the world or I could follow Jesus. And um, the rest of high school after that was pretty lonely. And at one point I had um, a group of Christian friends, but then they ended up backsliding as well. So then, once again, it was just me and Jesus. So uh, then, um, towards the end of high school, God started speaking to me, you know, telling me, uh, to, asking me to lay down the plans that I had made for my life because He had something else for me. And um, I struggled with them on it for a while, and finally, um, I laid it down and decided I was going to go to Bible school. Um, and when that happened, I actually ended up getting healed of something. I had had problems with my um, my voice, and a lot of doctors weren't able to tell me what was wrong with it. Seen all these doctors, and I actually got healed off of the 700 Club. Um, they were getting words of knowledge Holy for God. people, and I actually experienced um, God's presence, and He healed me. So I end up at Bible school, and then I start this healing process. It's like this time of training, um, God preparing me, teaching me so many things, and then just the weighty presence of God being in this place like I hadn't really experienced before. I mean, there was times 
times that they would cancel class just because the presence of God would be just so thick and people would be on their faces, you know, just crying out to God. Just really cool stuff like that. But in that time, God began a healing process over stuff that I had been through, you know, years before, uh, stuff from my childhood, just really just started ministering to my heart. And I thought I had dealt with this stuff at the time, right? And then um, one of my teachers said something like, you know, healing is a process. It's like an onion. It's like you take off the outer layer and then you have to go for the other layers. So it's like God is so gracious to us that he only, as much as we can handle in each season, he doesn't just all of a sudden, bam, there it is, or it would just destroy you, kind of like the scripture verse you were sharing. Um, so uh, while I'm in Bible school, God starts speaking to me about going to Africa. And I was like, okay, God, I wasn't planning on that, but okay. Sounds like fun. So I decide, yes, and I decide I'm going to go. And I have all these just big expectations, just these big ideas of things that God is going to do. When I get there, you know, the motto in the school was taking the revival fires to the ends of the earth, you know. And so it's like, yeah, I'm going to be hardcore for Jesus. We're going to go take revival and see people get saved and all this. And I just, I had these ideas about ministry and thinking that, Things are going to just come together really smoothly and be really perfect, but I didn't realize that um, there's a lot of messy stuff involved in ministry, too. And some of it's not so fun to go through. Some of it's really hard to go through, actually. Um, so I actually ended up getting to Africa, and it, parts of it were just amazing. Uh, people were just beautiful people, so welcoming, just so uh, just so friendly. And the type of faith that people had there, I mean, it, it challenged me and caused me to really contend and to press in for more of God and to teach me how to stand on his promises. Um, I mean, we saw some people get healed of things and just really just we saw God do awesome stuff. And in the midst of that, though, ooh, here's a funny story. So when Andrew said that about the chickens, I was like, oh, my gosh, should I still share this? But I'm going to because it's a fun story. So we're learning about all this faith and stuff like that. And I've got a picture here of a chicken with its eyes crossed out because it's dead. Well, the story behind that is <laughs> because while we're in Africa, um, some stuff's going on and, like, we're not sleeping much and it's really stressful. And I'm like, God, I really need to sleep. I'm so worn out. And there's these two roosters that are walking around our house all night long making crazy noises. And we're not used to that here. We're not, you know, things are a lot more quiet here. And then, um, so anyways, I was like, oh. Jesus cursed the fig tree. I was like, Lord, I know you want me to have sleep, so let these chickens die in Jesus' name. <laughs> and then, so, true story. A couple days later, these chickens are nowhere to be found. Somebody ate them. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> so, anyways, so I got to practice what I was learning about faith. Um, anyways, so I don't know where Andrew went, but that's my story about his song. Uh, I was practicing what you said. Uh, Jesus' testimony. So anyways, um, so I get there and I'm starting to struggle with, okay, why do I believe what I believe? Is it because these are convictions that God has given me or is this stuff that's part of our culture? Um, is this stuff that I've, you know, learned in church? Is this stuff that, like, God really challenged me to um, press into the important matters versus just the ones that are, well, you know, they're debatable. Um, but to really challenge why I believe what I believe. And I heard, I didn't take many missions courses when I was in Bible school because I didn't really plan on doing missions. Um, and God surprised me. But one of the things that one of the teachers shared was that oftentimes one of the biggest challenges on the mission field is getting along with your own team members. And I was like, yeah, right. Because we were all pretty good friends before we went there. And then the moment we get there, all of our issues start coming up. It's like everything starts coming up in our hearts and all of a sudden we were at each other's throats. 
And, uh, yeah, we became pretty much enemies during that time. It's really sad, but that's what happened. So you see a little picture of us choking each other. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it, the crazy thing is, as hard as things got, like, throughout, um, even childhood and things I had to walk through, um, I, ne- I was never somebody who, like, really thought about death or suicide or stuff like that. There's twice in my life that it even crossed my mind. And one of those times, sad to say, was when I was on the mission field. When all this, you know, I'm supposed to be walking in the dream that God has for me, but then there's all this intense junk that's going on, stuff with my teammates. Like, literally, there was a period where every other day I was having a breakdown because of certain things that were going on with my team members. And, um, yeah, it was just, yeah. So, anyways... So that happened, and then um, it's just just different culture, different stuff that happens, things I've never had to think about before. Um, I mean, we had, I, I remember having just ideas about what ministers are supposed to be like or what children of God are supposed to be like, and there God really taught me to not go by outward appearance, but to go by, um, go by His Spirit in discerning things. Because sometimes there would be people, they would be talking about Jesus, they would even be a minister, and... Um, and they would sound just, you know, amazing what they were sharing, but something didn't set right in my spirit, and then I'd have a dream about it. And I'd be like, whoa, God, that can't be what's in that person's heart. And then sure enough, it would happen. Um, we actually had people who were ministers within our church, who was, one was a so-called prophet, um, and the other was the worship minister under her. These people were actually trying to poison us, and they were praying against us while we were there, cursing us, praying that we'd die, like all this weird stuff. And then um, actually there ended up, when some of this stuff started coming out and you know we were actually trying to get um to split away from this group because it wasn't right and they were they weren't just going to jesus they were going to other sources for stuff spiritually and um we tried to you know there there ended up being a church split and we ended you know we were trying to take the sheep away you know get them to a safe place but then there's these people saying don't go with them because if you do this and this is going to happen to you you know using fear on people and some of these people are you know not real solid and strong in the Lord, so a lot of them didn't know what to do, and they just start, stopped going to church. Mm-hmm. And these are people that we poured ourselves out into, and just some of the, um, just, it, it's really hard just watching some of that, because you really, you know, when you invest in people, you really have a love for them. So, um, that's some of the just crazy stuff that happened going on there. Uh, we saw crazy stuff. One of our team members almost died, and then God absolutely healed them, did an amazing story, testimony, um, and then, you know, we get back home, and then um, crazy stuff happens. So, like, after we had just seen this great, you know, resurrection God doing something, one of my pastor's children's, uh, one of his children dies. The moment we get home, a um, couple months afterwards, he had been sick for a while, and then we're left to be like, God, you know, what's the deal? We know you're a healer. We know you're powerful. We know that you can do this. And then, you know, why him and why not this? And it's like, it just, it challenges you to basically to just come to a place where God, you're God, and I'm not, and what you do is what you do. And we did our part. We prayed, you know, we believed, you know, and this is this is just what it is. And because um, you can beat yourself up over things like that. And um, when I got home, it says Valley of Trust. And uh, God really took me in this place of having to really be dependent on Him and trust Him for everything. I was in a place where I got sick physically, and um, I didn't, I wasn't able to work <laughs> the whole time I was home. And God did crazy stuff, providing for me financially, um, and even providing insurance for me. And and then I began just contending for my healing, believing for that. And then um, really, God just began doing some deep stuff in my heart and. 
really realizing that a lot of how I viewed myself and what I found my worth in was caught up in my ministry. Um, and a lot of times we do that. We put our identity in what we do. And God started to just pull that away from me and be like, what you do is not, you know, that's not who you are. This is who you are. So God had to walk me through that process did a lot of healing, had to do a lot of forgiving. Um, I'm one of those people who I write out forgiveness letters because that's a tool that one of our teachers at Bible school taught us to do. And anytime I notice my heart starting to get hard, I sit down and I'm like, God, who do I have an offense against? And I start to, just because I want my heart to be clear of that junk because it can really weigh you down. So anyway, so God takes me through another healing process. I go back to Ghana and I'm expecting more great things. Yes, God, I know you're going to do awesome stuff. And I get there and... Um, <laughs> A lot of like when we were when I was leaving there, it's a new church. There was like 200 church members that had started coming, and at prayer services, there's like 100 people, which is not common for things here. Like half of the church is showing up for prayer meetings. God's really starting to move, and we get back um, like a year or so later, and they're just like nobody from before was there anymore. It was like um, everything just shrunk down to small numbers, and we we're like, God, you know what happened to the ones that you know that we went out and found and you know we're discipling and all of this and so having to walk through some of that um you know having to it, this basically is a season to walk out what i had just learned in the previous season um you know god teaches us more about faith and victory here i've got a little thing that says mosquito valley <laughs> and there's little mosquitoes i got malaria a couple times and typhoid and there's a big syringe there because I got to get a big shot in the butt. Uh, that wasn't fun. So then here's uh, me and one of our teammates fighting again because we yeah, ended up being at each other's throats again with some stuff. Uh, yeah, just some of our junk came up within us. And um, I had to really just trust the Lord with some of the stuff that happened. Just Even just some of the accusations, people, judgments of the heart, stuff like that. Then I have a piece of humble pie here, uh, God <laughs> helping me to humble myself, I guess. Uh, it's different there. It's like where I was, at least. Um, when situations would arise, sometimes you would get corrected about stuff, and you wouldn't have a chance to share your story. But it was, you know, to tell your side of the story what happened, it was just like, here's the correction. Take it and receive it. And you have to just be like, okay, thank you. And, and that, that was really hard for me because... Um, some of the stuff I didn't feel it was right, and it, it really I had to trust judgment to God, and I had to trust that He saw and that He knew. Um, then I had to walk through forgiveness again, and then God brought me home. And when I got home this next time, it was like I've got a picture of Death Valley, and that's me in the Valley of Death. Because when I got home, I felt so burnt out, and I felt so empty and so dry, and I was like, God, you know what's going on? Why do I feel this way? Um, you know, like I felt like I had nothing left, and I basically said, God, if you don't do something, I have nothing left to give. I have nothing left to do. Um, and I, like I was at a point where I couldn't even feel God's love for me, um, just because of some of the things that we had walked through as we were there. And, um, yeah, it was just a crazy season, just even having, um, I've got a picture here called Garbage Hill, and there's a couple of Christians standing at it sometimes. Uh, there are very well-meaning Christians who sometimes will say things that aren't of the Spirit of God. And I had several of those say certain things to me like, Oh, maybe because you went through such a hard time, it wasn't God's will for you to go to Africa. And I was like, Gee, thanks for nothing. And, uh, you know, or other, you know, other people say, Oh, well, the reason you're not healed yet, the reason you haven't seen God's miracle yet is because there's sin in your life or because, you know... Um, you know, because you were disobedient to him, or you know, it's, you, you don't, you're not faithful enough, or just you know, stuff like this. And so here I am, 
Um, I've got a picture of me with a heavy load on my back saying, it must be my fault. <laughs> and uh, really just, you know, having to hand the condemnation over to God. And uh, l- literally, like, I just searched my heart and was like, God, is there, you know, what what's the source of all this? <laughs> you know, trying to just clean it all up. And I was praying one day. I had this vision of Jesus, and he was on the cross. And um, he just came down off the cross, and he just held me. And he was just weeping with me. And I was like, God... You know, because the things that I, I've been through even growing up, I'm, I've been used to people being, like, emotionally absent, not really noticing or really, like, feeling the pain. And so the fact that here's Jesus, and he was not just hugging me, but he was weeping with me. And he spoke to me, and he said, I knew what you were going to have to go through when you went there. And it broke my heart to see it. And he just sat there and he held me and he just wept with me. And then I was just asking him, you know, God, like, what's what's the source? You know, like, why, you know, like, did I do something? Is that why, you know, I'm sick or not, you know, well yet or whatever? And he just spoke to me so clearly and he said, it's nothing that you did. It's nothing that you did. And um, anyways, then he, there's a picture of a pot on the potter's wheel and Jesus, yeah, it's, it's time of healing. Jesus just remaking me, restoring me. And there's another little mirror with the question, who am I? And it's like another you know, process of going through that, of God having to show me again, this is who you are, this is who you're not, this is, you know, um, these are false expectations that you've put on yourself, these are expectations that others have put on you, this is who I say you are, this is what you're meant to be. And he had to really just wash me of some of that stuff. And um, I've got another onion there because it was time for more layers to come off, more healing. And um, there's, on the road it says forgive let go. So I had to walk through that. Um, then there's a picture of me at Lakeland, laying on the floor, getting really blasted by Jesus. <laughs> um, Lynn knows that well. Um, yeah, yeah. God just did some really cool stuff just in the process of just healing me as I got home. I had to. He had to teach me how to laugh again, how to have fun again, how to trust again, how to open my heart again. And um, yeah, I got to go to Lakeland, and I was so just hungry for God. I wasn't looking for that, but it just happened, and he had to carry me out a lot of the services. Then, um, and then here's a picture of uh, Hope Deferred Creek, because when you're waiting for a promise from God, sometimes it gets hard, just like Tim was saying. You know, you wait, and you wait, and you're not seeing it. You start asking all these questions, God, why not? You know, what's what's the deal? I don't understand. Um and there's frustration for us because that goes right along with it, <laughs> knowing the promise that God's given you. And then, um, you know, when you've done everything that's worked before, you know, before, okay, you know, to see this happen, you do, you know, A and B and C and you walk this out and this is the end result. This is just how it's going to happen. And that's, that's not always how it works. What worked before, um, sometimes you get to this point where everything that you're trying isn't working. And, you know, you fast, you pray. You do all this stuff, and you're like, God, why isn't my situation changing? And, um, you know, even you start to, you know, get frustrated with God. You know, God, what are you doing? You know, do you see me? Do you see what's going on? And it really, it comes down to, you know, you do what you need to do, and then there comes a time where you just stand on God's word. And that's all you can do is you stand on it, and you wait, and you trust, and you keep waiting, and you keep believing, and you choose that you're not going to allow your heart to be hardened in the process. Um, and then there's a picture here of a wall being blown up with dynamite, and that's Jesus kind of blowing up some of the walls in my life, and here he is laying a new foundation. He showed me um, 
later on when I started praying about, you know, God, why I got so burnt out and stuff. And he was basically showing me it's because I'm, I've been out of order in some areas. Um, I haven't had right boundaries in my life. And I had this problem where I felt like I had to be everybody's savior and rescue them from their situations and stuff emotionally or physically or financially or just, you know, spiritually, whatever. And that's not healthy and that's not actually supposed to be my place. That's supposed to be God's place, you know, to be their savior and stuff. But we, like, get these mentalities, you know, oh, I have to go out and save the world. I have to do this and I have to do this. And um, we just got to be obedient to God. We just got to walk with him and let him lead us with what we're supposed to do and not pick up more than what we're supposed to do. And um, anyways, so that's kind of uh, my fun story. And then, hold on, there's more. So over here is the side of it where the path continues and there's question marks all over. And I don't know what's next. I have no clue, but there's little birds all over because that's the Holy Spirit. He's going to walk with me and help me figure it out. And then here's Jesus at the end of the race because ultimately that's where we're headed is we're headed to be with Jesus. place on their maze right now and it's okay if we're not in the same places you be where God has you at and don't compare your journey with anyone else's because I firmly believe that um that God has each one of us walk through certain things for what he's preparing us for each one of us has a destiny in him and he knows what you need in your preparation to get there so uh some people may start out you know, even just some of our friends who were there in Africa with us, they were discouraged because other friends were out doing these big ministry things and they were like, oh, I'm not doing anything yet. And uh, it wasn't their time yet. It wasn't their season for it yet. They were supposed to be still in preparation, but they kept getting distracted because they were looking at other people's ministries and what God was doing in them. So be where you're at. Enjoy where you're at and let God work in you what he wants to work in you there. So that's... Uh, it took me a while. It was a lot of fun, though. I encourage you guys to do it, though, because it's, it's seriously, as I, as I did this, like, I mean, literally, there was a point where I was just, I was crying, because I was like, God, I've forgotten some of the things that you've done. I've forgotten how much you've done for me, and how much you've really protected me from. So. I didn't have Okay, take a look. Yeah. That's the mosquitoes in the syringe. Yeah, that is. There's a the ditching. <laughs> you ever heard a testimony like this before? No. Picture story. You know, like we're in a Sunday school class. It's just need more felt. What a wonderful testimony. What a real story. You know? Our story contains those sorrows, doesn't it? In our own sorrow, in our own story. Sometimes don't tell it. So thanks for telling it and giving us the freedom to share our story. We're going to be sharing a lot more stories, some of you, over the next months. Got some in May, got some more in June. So if you want to share your story, we'd like to hear it. Let's bless Natasha. Yes. You want that? Yep. <laughs> you see, you anything that you see in her. Sometimes your history it has clues to your destiny. Do you see anything in her history that gives you a clue? She sees in the spiritual realm. Pardon? She sees into the spiritual realm. Can you say it louder? She sees into the spiritual realm. 
Did you notice that? How early on she was connected to the spiritual realm, not necessarily to the truth always, but her antennas were up, and they are up. They still are up. She's got antennas that go out. So, so there's a destiny there for her in that, in hearing supernatural things will be more common for her than for some people just because God's ordained that. You see it in her history. Anything else? Bondage breaker. You, what do you feel called to do? Do you, do you have a sense of, of, of what you feel called to break bondages? or What do you... Um, yeah, I feel like... I mean, there's a lot of different areas. I don't think it's just one area that I'm called to, but I mean, that's part of it. Seeing other people get set free from stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, somebody pray. Our Father, we thank you so much for Natasha, God. We thank you that she is willing to share the broken pieces and how you put them back together, God. We thank you that she has been able to put, um, see the some of the big picture, God, and be thankful for how you brought her out of bondage and out of shame and out of out of that God and we thank you that she can that um, we see through her the testimony of being able to stand on the foundation that you have redeemed us and you have rescued us from our past God and so we thank you and we pray God that you would just just place another just blessing of your anointing on this woman this child of yours that you love so much she loves you so much Natasha and it just we we ask that you would just bless her, God, and rain down your presence upon her so that she would be a mouthpiece for your truth, God. And through this testimony and how you've grown her, God, you will be able to show others that bondage can be broken and left behind as far as the east is from the west, God. You can remove our sins from us. We thank you for the words she has spoken and the boldness she has, God, and the testimony of your love and your redeeming power that she has, God. Many young women shall be set free by this testimony. Eating disorders will be that stronghold will be broken. And the Lord says that you're you're a you're a threshing sledge with teeth. I think it's Isaiah 47. You're going to chew through all those lies that are being assaulted at these young women and, and those things. Now you have that compassion uh, to relate with them in that suffering. So Father, we thank you. So go ahead and pray, Natasha, because there are people in here, there are women like you just described that have uh, issues here that need to be broken. So let's let's believe that as she prays now that, that things are loosened up in hearts that need to be loosened up. Father, right now I ask that you would touch each person here. You know where they're at on the journey with you. Okay. Father, you know their struggles. You know the secret lives that each person has, the things that they struggle with even when no one else is around. And God, I just pray that you would meet them there, that you would just wash them of the shame, and that you would just give them an expectation of what you can do in their lives. I pray that those yes. chains would be broken. And yes. God, I just ask that you would make them new. I pray the bondages would be destroyed, God. Eating disorders. Yes, so. Father. Mm-hmm. And God, I just ask for the boldness for them to be able to find somebody to talk to about it if needed. Mm-hmm. Whether it be eating disorders or whatever else it may be. Mm-hmm. Father, where they don't realize that others have struggled with it because it's not 
comment to talk about those things, but God, I ask that you would just touch their hearts tonight yeah. and encourage each person yeah. for where they're at on the journey. Those who are waiting even for emotional healing and it doesn't seem hopeful, yes. God, even though they may not know the way out, I thank you that you do. And I ask that you would just give them hope tonight. Give them hope for the things yes. that you have for them. Yeah. And bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Being an African yeah. and like, you know, listening to that, and I just want to like say, wow, you have no idea how much God is so pleased with missionaries that go out to Africa. Mm. I mean, the reward is great in heaven. I'm telling you, like, you are, it's just amazing. Like, this is the other side that they don't care, you know, the malaria the heartache and everything that the prayers and listening to that is like so touching and so amazing like any of you guys that get the opportunity to go god will so so bless you you have nothing to lose he will guide you all the way so go there help them you know preach to them minister to them touch their hearts because we need it yeah so god, god bless you for that god bless mozambique god bless you too that's great we're two testimonies about africa and two testimonies about waiting well, God, God set this up. Now, uh, how are we doing? What what time is it? Five after ten. Five after ten. Uh, Jen, would it work if we did this next week, or would that be difficult? We're we'll taking it downstairs. It's cleaned up down there. So. I know she's waiting. Is she on there right now? No, but she's. Well, I I just talked to her and then I hung up. Okay, here, here, here's what we'll, uh, here's what we'll do. How, how long did, 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 do you think we should talk with her? If, I mean, people can go if they need, but if people want to stay, they can chat with her. Let's do that. Yeah. I know that some of you may need to go, and we want to be conscious of time and your needs. We have three wonderful testimonies tonight. We usually do one or two, and they were all wonderful. And uh, so we're a little behind, especially those of you that know Hannah and want to greet her. You might that would want to be explain. She's in the Philippines. Fun. She's Lydia's younger sister. She's, when is she coming uh, back? She's been there already like five or more four, months. Four months. Four months. Working at an orphanage, children's home, that kind of thing. Okay, where do you want to do it? You want to do it right up here? Sure. Okay, if some of you don't know her and, and you want to go out and get some food, that's uh, your privilege. And others of you want to get in close, we'll get in close here. Yeah, Matt? Uh, afterwards, there'll be prayer after we talk to Hannah. There was a couple words in the prayer time. Uh, people with neck pains, lower back pain, and then pain on your upper right side, like by your shoulder blade, right side of the spine. So if you guys need healing in that area, please stay afterwards and we'll pray for you. Somebody. And for hearing. Along with that, too, if anyone's the things in the Spirit and you want to maybe receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit for the first time or receive impartation, uh, healing, impartation, the whole deal, uh, come find us. Right?
This tongue For new people, after this, if you want prayer, in here for prayer and out there for fellowship. So after we see this and uh, talk to Hannah, then we'll be in here praying. Is she there? We love you, Hannah. <laughs> Say something loud, Hannah. Did she see us? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Where's the video? Oh, it's Emily Wallace. Take turns if you want to come. Oh, you can? You can see me? Hi. Tell us about what you're doing there. Christy's here. 